Welcome to the Gordon Asset Management Podcast, a show for savers, investors, and entrepreneurs, helping you to stay informed, invest wisely, and achieve the unimaginable. Now, on to the show. Hey, everybody. This is Todd Zempel, and I have with me today Joe Gordon and Glenn, master of the macro more. Uh, today for another edition of the Gordon Asset Management Podcast. Uh, today is December 1st, right around noon, so keep that in mind as we go through the data. Uh, first, the coronavirus update. So for those watching the webinar today, uh, the, the data you have on your screen is, is for the month of November. This has really been the big news. U.S. COVID cases climbed uh, by 49%, up to 13 uh, million and change. Uh, also, current hospitalizations climbed a full 100%, up to 96,000 hospitalized currently nationwide, and, and deaths are also up 17%, uh, up to 260,000 roughly. Uh, so the good news is that al although uh, the cases and hospitalizations are going up, the deaths haven't at the same rate. So that's positive. That, that means that potentially uh, we're doing better in the hospitals. But the big concern is with the holiday – um, are we going to see an uptick in deaths? Uh, we're starting to see some of the headlines around hospitals, uh, hospitals starting to fill up beds and whatnot, and some hospitals potentially having to uh, cut back on elective procedures. So that is something we are watching very closely. Um, also, there's been very good news on the vaccine front. Pfizer, Moderna, AstraZeneca, a number of others. Um, it looks like we will have a vaccine and it looks like it is starting to be distributed potentially this month. Um, and, and it does look like those vaccines are highly effective. So that has been absolutely positive And that's what sent the markets on a tear uh, this month. Any comments on the coronavirus before we move uh, on? You've said it well, but it was a vaccine uh, rally month. It was a great year in November. That's right. And we can get right into some of the data. So internationally, things ha have uh, uh, done very well. EFI, uh, Europe, Asia, Far East has gained or gained 15 percent in the month of November. It's currently uh, positive, just about one percent year to date. And then the stocks over there are trading at much uh, uh, higher discounts than U.S. stocks. So they're much cheaper. That's right. Also, in the month of November, emerging markets gained 9.21% and is currently at a solid 8% gain year to date. Um, and then global bonds also gained 1.82% uh, and uh, put up a solid 7.75% 7, 7 year to date. But there is $17 trillion of debt with negative yields in the world. That is correct, and uh, we didn't include a chart on that, but maybe we will next time and, and digress a little bit into the fixed income markets. Uh, a concerning trend, uh, and again, for those on the webinar today, you can see the chart. We're starting to see mobility uh, in Europe and in specifically in the United Kingdom scale back to June levels. So uh, people are driving less. People are, aren't taking the tube in London anymore. Rails down. Buses are down. Uh, so that is a concerning trend as we move back into this potential second lockdown phase of the uh, COVID recovery. 
Well, the only thing I can say anecdotally there is I drove up to Winston-Salem Friday after Thanksgiving and Interstate 40 was jammed. So there were a lot of people traveling uh, in North Carolina. Maybe people were driving and not flying, uh, but cer- certainly the highways were extremely dense. Yeah, and, and anecdotally, I can speak to that. I, I live out in L.A., Lower Alamance County in North Carolina, um, and I've definitely seen the traffic uh, steadily increase. It ha- it's still not back to where it was, but uh, the last week or so, um, traffic is 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 getting close to back what it was pre-pandemic levels. Here in the U.S., it was a great, great month in November. Uh, the S&P 500 gained 10.75%. Again, that's just for the month of November, and we're currently sitting plus 13.42% year-to-date. NASDAQ also gained 11% uh, and is currently up over 40% for the year, which is astounding, which is totally crazy. Russell 2000 small caps gained 18.29% in the month of November, which is which was basically the best month since, what was it, 1987? Seven. It was yeah. 1987, January 1987, which we all remember was the year in textbooks they say was a crash. But the market did end up 5% for the year, but it was up 44% in August. Yep. So great month for small caps. That's the rotation that we've been talking about for so many months starting to happen. Um, and then also uh, Barclays Ag. So uh, bonds also gained just under 1%, currently sitting positive 7.36% year to date. It's worth noting on a sector basis, and I don't know if this is in a future slide, but the two worst sectors in the S&P 500 the whole year with minus 30 plus percent losses, energy and financials. Energy was up over 25% in November and financials were up 13%. But then yesterday we saw Morgan Stanley downgrade a number of the big money center banks Bank of America and J.P. Morgan, uh, and we'll see what happens going forward. But that that was was the signal to a lot of people in November. Hey, there's this vaccine-led broad expansion that now a lot of the uh, high beta stocks, the hospitality industry, are going to start to recover in a rotation from growth to value. But uh, again, we'll have to be convinced. Yeah, and again, one of the things we've always watched on this webinar podcast has has been the um, comparison of equal weighted index versus market cap weighted index, um, and also that relative to small cap. And and so, again, for the month of November, the equal weighted index has outperformed market cap weighted, and small cap has also outperformed uh, the large cap. So, again, that's the signal to us that we're starting to see that rotation out of the names that have done so well, Microsoft, Google, uh, et cetera, Apple, um, into some of the other areas of the market. Another chart that we thought was interesting is the widening gap between profits and price. Uh, so if you're following along, you, you can see the chart, chart going back to the 70s. It charts the S&P 500 versus corporate profits. And basically, we're at an all-time uh, wide uh, gap between the two, um, which is a little bit concerning, but somewhat to to be expected when we shut down the economy. Joe Glenn, any thoughts on this? Uh, it's clearly a hope rally. Uh, and today in David Rosenberg's missive, he uh, quoted about five different uh, greed over fear indexes, and they are all at somewhere between two to four times 
normal greed levels. So uh, clearly there is a disconnect between Wall Street and Main Street. That's right. And, and another slide we have on that very same topic is, again, the S&P 500 index charted against consumer confidence. Again, we're starting to see this gap widening where confidence is uh, lower, but the stock market keeps going higher. So what does that mean? I don't know. Will confidence increase and, and, and uh, get back up to the levels where we're seeing the S&P? I don't know. Or will the S&P come down, uh, given that consumers aren't confident? To be determined. I think right now everybody's riding the euphoria wave of the vaccine and, and there's a little bit of FOMO, fear of missing out on uh, the rally uh, going into next year. Uh, another acronym, MOMO, Momentum. So uh, again, for those following along, we, we chart uh, basically a lot of uh, the, the major stocks in, in the S&P 500 index, plus some of the uh, major hype names like Tesla, um, Alibaba, etc. You can see year-to-date performance there. Really, the out, outstanding uh, stock is Tesla. Uh, and so this chart, what you see here, this is again, just November, uh, Tesla's up 46%, which is just crazy. Um, and that's primarily, primarily on news that they're going to enter the S and P 500 index this year. Uh, and you can go down, you can see most of the other, uh, mega cap, mega cap tech stocks are up, uh, somewhere in the neighborhood four, five, six, uh, percent big loser in this group has been Alibaba. So down 13 and a half percent in the month, month of November. I guess there's a message there. Don't criticize your government over bank reg- regulations when you're going to spin off Ant financial. That's right. Joe, why don't you share that story? I don't know that everybody knows. Well, it's in the press, so it's readily available. Jack Ma, who, who was one of the founders of Alibaba, was on a sort of, a, I guess uh, you call it comparable to the U.S., where you're on the barnstorming show about an IPO, and Alibaba owns Ant Financial, and they were going to spin it off. And uh, he made the mistake, apparently, of criticizing two uh, bank regulators who happened to be prominent members of the Chinese Communist Party, and they did not like that, and so therefore they exercised their political will, and uh, they put the gloves on his mouth and then basically made him suspend the IPO. Uh, and and uh, and now no one knows when it's going to happen. There are a bunch of people that like Alibaba long. They know that the Ant financial spinoff is going to happen, uh, but some reports are indicating now maybe a couple of years away. So uh, if you bought Alibaba on momentum, that's why you're not happy, but there are people buying it at that price. The other thing in the chart worth noting is the megatechs are not going up double digits. There is more of a broadening rally than NASDAQ index, which is good. And uh, and what's not, um, I'm, I'm surprised you don't have Zoom uh, video on this chart, but Zoom reported record earnings yesterday, but the stock sold off 5%. And the, a lot of the reason is the stock at their current levels is uh, is basically trading at multiples they have to grow into over the next five years for it to even appear to be remotely uh, sane. So, uh, but it is up today. Uh, U.S. employment. So again, looking at November data, continuing claims fell by almost 11% down to 6 million. Um, Initial claims did increase slightly, almost 3%. 
Um, and then the unemployment rate uh, declined by a full 1% down to 6.9%. So we're sitting at under 7% unemployment um, nationwide at this point, if you believe the numbers, right? Well, the numbers are kind of skewed. I mean, everyone knows there are, uh, not to be, this is not a political comment, but states that have been more closed down, like New York, New Jersey, their unemployment rates are around 10%, just, just under. States that have been way more open, take Florida, their unemployment rates, I think, in the 3 to 4% rate, even given everything that's happened. So uh, a lot of the data, to me, is kind of fishy uh, in a way because a lot of people not reflected in that data are getting checks, but those checks expire at the end of this month. And it uh, doesn't look like there's any will in Washington uh, to go to stimulus round number two. And uh, again, with a political administration change, uh, uh, coming up and however that turns out, because it is being contested, apparently, who knows? Uh, you know, we'll see if anything happens to give aid to people who, especially in hospitality, uh, are being told they can't operate their business and their checks are going to run out for those that used to work at those companies. So, you could see a, a, extreme volatility in January uh, if that happens. That's right. And, and again, for those following along, we put up a slide of um, a chart showing those that are set to lose unemployment benefits um, at the end of uh, December. And it's roughly 14 and a half, 15 million people. Uh, so I suspect something will be done uh, to put a Band-Aid on that. Um, and, you know, I've also seen a lot of uh commentary on the first things that the Biden administration will do in, in, you know, dealing with COVID and unemployment and stimulus are top of the top of the list, top priority. Uh, what has been very strange about this recession has been uh, personal incomes. Uh, so again, for those following along, we've charted the 2020 recession versus 2008 recession and recovery. Um, personal incomes in 2020 took a small dip right at the beginning, uh, but then actually went up. And some of that's statistical, right? You know, some of the lower paid folks um, came out of the system, so to speak, those in hospitality, working retail, etc. cetera. Uh, so, you know, the, the salaried white collar workers tended to hold on to their jobs longer. So that did skew the number somewhat. Uh, but it is interesting to note uh, the data side by side that you know, this this recession and recovery hadn't been nearly as painful as 2008. Well, and again, anecdotally, uh, in 2020, a lot of the lower paid folks who were unemployed were getting eventually, once they, the, the uh, state unemployment insurance system started to function, uh, were getting the regular payment. And uh, in our state, North Carolina, was, a, was probably the worst at executing that very well. Uh, the system was overwhelmed, never meant to process so much. But they also were getting the $600 a week in federal uh, unemployment. And we have many, many clients, uh, business owners, that uh, were upset because they said that uh, a lot of my employees are not incented to want to work. They don't want to come to work. They're making more money after tax sitting at home and uh, shopping online. Yeah, and and I don't even know if you saw this yet, Joe. This, this I think it came out yesterday. The GAO, Government Accountability Office, um, just came out and said that yeah, the unemployment numbers. We're not confident that they are correct. There's there's some problems with the reporting. Plus, we're not confident that those who had been receiving unemployment benefits got what they were fully entitled to. So, you know, there's potentially some 
uh, opportunity to make some of these people whole uh, here coming up in the near-term future. And not to make a fear-mongering statement, but if you have 14 million people's benefits expire at the end of December, and then they're going to show up in the data in January, and then you've got the entire airline industry and other parts of hospitality, the airline industry in particular, uh, we're, we're going to do mass layoffs in October after they blew through the $25 billion the industry got uh, under the CARES Act uh, was primarily to you can't fire anybody until September 30th. Well, stimulus, too, never happened, and they were threatening to do it. And so it's kind of been weird that it's been 60 days and they still haven't done mass layoffs. But that could happen in January if there's no uh, stimulus, and you could you could see unemployment numbers that maybe dwarf what we saw last April. Scary thought, for sure. Inflation, gold, and the money supply. Glenn Macromore, one of his favorite topics. Um, so, again, for those following along, we've, we've got the chart of the monetary supply versus gold, the S&P, and uh, the velocity of money, which actually we've, we've seen an uptick in that. So that's been interesting. Uh, Glenn, what are your thoughts here? Well, clearly you've got um – you know, you've seen gold sell off significantly in the past, I'd say, three to four weeks. Um, it's now trading below $1,800. And um, you've, clearly you've seen the, the money supply continue, continuously go up. And uh, inflation hasn't yet started to uh, increase. Uh, that, that number is reported monthly. But um, to me, what it says is, is gold, I think, is sniffing out that with the, this slight increase. And, and so actually, you've seen a second derivative acceleration of the velocity of money, even though it still is negative year over year. Um, any incremental increase in the velocity of money and it, coupled with a, an increase in inflation uh, is not a good scenario Um for gold if interest rates are also going up in kind because gold follows real rates. And so I think gold is, is, is sniffing this out a little bit. And that's why you've seen um, the, the price come down uh, pretty significantly over the past several weeks. So this is, this is, is, is an interesting dynamic. I think that's going to drive a lot of asset class returns and, and is partially why you've seen uh, small caps and, and mainly uh, in the uh, more cyclical or value type sectors uh, have done really well is, is on the back of some of these more macro type themes that are playing out. Yeah, that's right. And um, an interesting chart that, that we have is it shows that uh, we've seen the largest outflow from gold funds ever, right? And, and right next to that chart, we have uh, <laughs> a chart of the inflows into global stock funds, which is, shows one of the largest inflows into global stocks, uh, stock funds ever. So clearly people are moving out of gold into risk assets, potentially to, to, to ride this inflationary wave, so to speak. Did I get that right? Yeah, I, th I think by and large that that's a good conclusion, and um, and, and I think as Joe mentioned, uh, there are are actually opportunities outside of the U.S. where 
you have uh, countries that are that are trading, um, or I guess the stock markets in in countries outside of the U.S. that are trading at much more reasonable valuations, and uh, there could be an opportunity for mean reversion there. Uh, obviously, international markets and even emerging markets, in, in in most cases, outside of you know, I guess you could argue China is has been probably the best performing emerging market. But outside of that, um, there hasn't really been a whole lot of price appreciation in the in the past seven, eight years, really, uh, aside from 16 and 17, when we had our synchronized global uh, recovery. Um, yes, and 19. And 19, too. Yeah. Yeah, there are two for, two for the last 12 yep. international markets. Yep. So maybe this may, may be uh, uh, one of the uh, rare periods of time where uh, there is actually money to be made in, broadly in emerging markets and international stocks. So we'll see. And anecdotally, I take a stock like uh, uh, Louis Vuitton, Hennessy Moet. Uh, they uh, own Sephora. And a big announcement today, Sephora is moving out of malls and going to be in Kohl's department stores. And that sent Kohl's stock through the roof uh, pre-market. And I think it's just a trend of where you have to be. I mean, their biggest competitor is Ulta, which is publicly traded. And Again, those two stocks are immune from the Amazon effect because most of their customers are female and they want to go and try this stuff on with specialists who know how to apply it. You can't do that online. And so uh, there's going to be, you know, plays like that. I mean, Louis Vuitton, uh, the, the head guy there was the richest man in the world or one of the, I think he was second or third to Bezos uh, earlier until everything got crushed in the pandemic and every retail store was closed. But there's a good example of a stock that is a flagship stock that has very uh, little price uh, pressure from any competitor because they are a dominant global brand. Uh, and and uh, so there are stocks like that and there are opportunities and trading at reasonable valuations versus, uh, you know, an overheated U.S. market, especially in tech. That's right. That's right. So we, we've seen this Investor euphoria, right? Money moving out of gold into stocks. Uh, the next chart we sh- we have shows the large largest inflow into tech stocks ever uh, in 2020. Um, we also have a chart that shows the uh, lowest put to call ratio, or one of the lowest put to call ratios uh, ever. And, and so, basically, what that means is. Um, puts would essentially offer protection against a uh, market sell-off. And, and so we're seeing fewer puts put on and more calls issued, meaning they're betting on that the stocks are going to go up. So all signs of euphoria. Um, another potential sign of euphoria is zombie companies are uh, now out- outperforming the S&P 500 index. So zombie companies are companies that essentially uh, aren't making enough money to make payments on their debt. Um, and then al- along with that, we're seeing um, small caps overburdened by debt, uh, which uh, is also a concerning trend. But, you know, this speaks to the investor euphoria. It's feeling very euphoric in the market right now. Unless you are, own a restaurant and you don't have access to capital. Very true. And that's a, that's really one of the saddest stories of this whole pandemic is that small business, family businesses in the hospitality industry uh, PPP gave them a lifeline, but uh, we saw a report 300 of those companies have now filed bankruptcy since exhausting their PPP money because they needed round two to survive since in many states you can't even open, uh, operate your restaurant or you have 25% or less capacity. So 
Uh, obviously, the lesson here is the uh, the publicly traded chains, uh, you know, like Cheesecake Factory and, and names like that uh, probably are going to come out better after all this because a lot of their competitors will have disappeared. True. Uh, things we're watching and moving forward. Glenn, why don't you uh, you take this? Well, first and foremost, uh, the COVID-19 developments and, and what you've seen is uh, the U.S. has been pretty consistently, I'd say, four to six weeks behind uh, Europe. And so with the mobility tracker that uh, Z had pulled up, uh, showing that things are slowing down and, and uh, in, in the U.K., that could be a harbinger of, of what's to come here in the next few weeks. Uh, however, there is optimism that that a, a vaccine will be distributed widely in the U.S., uh, hopefully in the first quarter, sooner than later. So uh, you kind of have two competing forces there. You've got also the hopes of a 2021 stimulus, uh, maybe later this year, but it doesn't seem like that's going to happen. So 2021 is seeming more and more likely. Um, you've got the employment dynamics that we talked about, obviously, with uh, a lot of small businesses shutting down just because of, of not having access to capital markets and, and the lack of a uh, package uh, provided by the um, government to help support these folks. And so uh, that will be something uh, to, to keep your eye on. One of the interesting things on, on the chart that Z had pulled up earlier is it, it seems like the uh, the slope of the line is is starting to flatten out. And so what that indicates is uh, – Potentially, you could see these temporary job losses become permanent job losses. And, and so what does that happen? Uh, one interesting play Joe and I talked about is looking at debt collectors. Generally, they do very well when um, uh, you see elevated unemployment. So just a, a little stock tip for you. Um, earnings and valuation metrics. Um, it, it, it would seem that based on how awful earnings were last year, uh, there could be a potential for a significant earnings rebound in the first half of the year. Uh, that's something that we're watching. Uh, obviously, inflation versus money supply, and um, is are the inflation expectations that we are currently you know, maybe seeing is is that transitory or is that going to be a a more prolonged uh, theme throughout the year? Uh, that's that's uh, a pretty hot hotly uh, debated topic. So we'll see what happens there. And then uh, you've got the market breadth and, and sector rotation. Is is this value? or cyclical trade going to continue to persist? Um, we think it could in, in the short term, but longer term. I think that you would see um, a reversion to the mean, especially after how fast uh, a lot of these sectors have rebounded over the, over the past month. So that's the, uh, those are the major, major topics and themes that we're watching. All right. That'll do it for today, folks. I appreciate you joining us. And if there's anything we can do for you, please don't hesitate to reach out. Visit our website, wealthqb.com, or feel free to shoot us an email, info at wealthqb.com. Thanks a lot. The information in this podcast is presented for educational and entertainment purposes only and is subject to change without notice. Opinions expressed to those of the participants and don't necessarily reflect those of Gordon Asset Management LLC, its producers, hosts, or guests. Information presented should not be construed as tax, legal, or investment advice, or a recommendation or solicitation for the sale of any product or strategy. Listeners are encouraged to seek advice from qualified professionals to determine whether any information presented may be suitable for their specific situation. Investments involve risks. Neither Gordon Asset Management LLC nor its podcast participants shall be liable for losses resulting from decisions based on information or viewpoints presented on this podcast.